Well, men, it is a uh, it is a really uh, big honor for me to uh, be down here with uh, many of you from this Phoenix area, and uh, can't tell you what a joy it is to be before you tonight and uh, talk about some of these uh, this issue of multiplication. And uh, so, let me just do a uh, let me just do this real quick. Um, I need uh, five readers. You can just put your hands up and uh, just need to get these verses to five of you guys so we can read them throughout our time. Yes, sir. Would you take the first one? Um, Ryan, take the second one. And, um, yeah. Um, Bill, Second uh, Corinthians. And then Doug, Second Timothy. Trevor, the last one, please. Okay. Well, guys, before we get started, let me just, uh, let's, let's get before God and, um, before we get going. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we come before you tonight, um, men that need you, and uh, as we learn about dependence, we, uh, we just beg you to teach us more about that. And as we endeavor to reach out to other men, we pray that, um, Lord, that you would be our guide and our teacher and that you would lead us and show us where you're doing mighty things. And uh, Lord, I just uh, pray tonight you just protect these men from, uh, from my errors. Lord, that this would uh, speak to each one of us. And Lord, that your word would shine through. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for being here with us. We claim your promises and your truth. And uh, just, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, guys, I... Um, Trevor called me up a while back, and uh, as Brent mentioned, I had met Trevor at one of the luncheons a while back, and he said, would you like to come down to, to uh, Arizona and, and share a little bit about multiplication? And uh, I thought, I kind of cringed a little bit, and I thought, you know, I don't like mathematics. I, uh, I've never been very good at it, and here you're asking me to, to uh, teach a little on multiplication. So I got to thinking about that a little bit, and I thought, hmm, well, multiplication is also reproduction, right? So I thought, hmm, now there's something guys can resonate with, right? <laughs> so, so guys, it, uh, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be here with you. Um, throughout, as I, as I started to prepare a little bit for this, it dawned on me that um, most of my Christian life, I used lifestyle evangelism as an excuse in discipling and sharing the gospel. Not that the, the I, I see that as a, a piece of the puzzle. Lifestyle, right? We we're talking about the, this weekend. Obedience. That's what it is. It's living with Christ. But I use that as an excuse, and so this this topic is uh, uh, was hard for me to work through, and I, I saw some of my own life come out in all this to see. Uh, uh, what God has, has challenged me and um, where He's brought me today. So, um, I've got some. I've got a few uh, illustrations tonight, uh, a few graphics. Um, but by all means, I don't want that to be a distraction. Uh, not everything that we're going to talk about tonight is going to be up here. Um, so we'll just uh, we'll just walk through this. And uh, I've got just about uh, maybe a little less than an hour now. And so, as I got into this subject, man, the the floodgates just sort of opened up uh, to so many different things that this idea of multiplication 
uh, entails. So bear with me as I walk through some of this. We may be cutting a few things out as we go, and, uh, and uh, we'll see where it takes us tonight. Let the Holy Spirit do it. Man, one of the, I, I've got a few things by way of introduction I just want to share that I think they're important. Um, years ago, a man asked me, what does your ministry look like? And I thought to myself, what an odd question. What does your ministry look like? What is ministry? And Winston alluded to that at the beginning of our time together, that ministry is simply serving in, these two, in those two areas, E squared, right? Ministry is simply a product of being a minister. And as we walk through the Bible, we find that we are all ministers of the gospel. Okay? So, no matter what kind of background you've got, no matter if you're a new believer, a seasoned believer, um, no matter what it looks like, the Bible calls you lots of things. These are some of the ones that I think are very important. It calls you a sheep as a believer, a servant, a minister, a bond slave, ambassador, a priest, and a disciple. And so we're going to, this is, this, is, this is what this is all about tonight. We're going to talk about a lot of what this looks like. Okay? And then, by the way, not only is that what you are described as, but we are also called to reproduce. And that's the part that um, we're going to be talking about more this evening. And guys, this isn't new. This has been around for some time in the book of Ezra. Uh, chapter 7, verse 10, it says, For Ezra had set in his heart to study the law of the Lord, to practice it, and to teach the law and ordinances in Israel. So, back in the Old Testament, not a lot has changed in that respect. That Ezra s- s- prepared in his heart, he seeked, pre- um, obeyed, and taught. So, it's very important that we get a, uh, a handle on this subject. The other thing I want to just mention by way of introduction is that it's been alluded to a little here this weekend um, that we live in difficult times where the Word of God is being challenged. It's being challenged as the very Word of God, right? And um, there are things that are coming out now that uh, are going are to make it very difficult to influence men with the truth. And so I just I say that as a uh, as a uh, as a preface to this material also. So guys, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the subject of discipleication. And as I got into this whole area of multiplication, I, it became very obvious very quickly that discipleship and multiplication are tied together. Very difficult to pull them apart. Okay. So that's why I just want to emphasize that at the beginning. Discipleship is the engine that drives multiplication. And if you're going to effort to reproduce, you've got to, you've got to start somewhere. And that's discipleship. And uh, the steps to uh, peace that the men just walked through is a great example of that. That's exactly um, what we're talking about. So just keep in mind, discipleship is the engine that drives multiplication. Okay? They're intrinsically tied. So we're going to talk about three things. We're going to break this down into three separate uh, categories tonight. And um, I want to try to spend most of our time on the issue of multiplication. 
and then uh, talk for just a few minutes toward the end on what this looks like. How do you get started? That's one of the things that impressed upon me is, is what do we do? How do, how do we engage men just like you saw with the Steps to Peace, how do, you, how, do you, how do you get guys interested in discipleship? That's at the heart of what we're going to be talking about. So those three areas. I also want to mention that, um, that there are three basic elements to what we're talking about. Number one, sharing the gospel, what you heard tonight. Conversion, right? The actual act of a guy saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up. For Jesus, and then number three, establishing the believer, which we call discipleship, right? So those three things are occurring. What we're going to focus on tonight is the third. Okay, we simply don't have time to cover this 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 topic uh, effectively um, in all those areas. So we're going to talk about the third one, um, establishing the believer. Okay. All right, There's, uh, I've got a, a couple areas where I'd just like to come up and make sure everybody's uh, not sleeping. And we'll ask for you, if you have any questions, we can address them. And, uh, and I'm just going to move through this, and, and, uh, and I definitely encourage some questions, interaction. But I just want to ask maybe some of, this, some of your questions may be answered as we move through these sections. And so um, I'll just come up for air here in a little bit as we, uh, as we move through. So are we together? Any, any comments or questions before we jump in? Okay. All right, let's talk about discipleship. And, um, oh, that's jumping way ahead. We're not going to do that. Okay. Um, Two primary areas. I don't think we have time to address uh, one of these. Uh, We'll see how it goes. But two primary areas. We're going to talk about a foundation of discipleship. What does that look like? And then um, some myths. Okay. So first, let's just consider discipleship. Uh, Let's break it down a little bit. Talk about what is a disciple. A disciple is simply a learner, right? The Bible calls a disciple a learner. At the root of the word, however, it has the meaning of the disciple accepting what the teacher is teaching and then doing it. And you might think you might consider it in a similar way to what was described previously this weekend as faith. Faith is commitment for knowing. It's active, right? Discipleship is active, okay? It, it's hearing and then doing. So, the definition of discipleship then would be what? Leading a man down the path of righteousness. That's all it is. Taking a guy and leading him down that path, Okay? So discipleship is simply the process of learning to think and learning to think and act like Jesus. Okay. Interesting to note in the book of Acts, the disciples, the apostles of Christ, were called disciples, and then later on, after Acts chapter six, all believers were called disciples. There was a calling to everyone who called themselves a believer to be a disciple. So one good example that I thought of, I've got two young boys and uh, they've had a lot of scrapes and bruises trying to learn how to ride a bike and, uh, and so have I. <laughs> so what does a dad and a son, what, what does that look like? A dad and a son come together, the son says, I want to learn. 
right? I'm a pupil. The dad says, all right. So he, what does he do first? He teaches, right? He, he, he uses his words and he says, son, here's what this is going to look like. Here's what you've signed up for, right? Could get ugly. Could be fun. So he teaches him. Then what does the dad do? He demonstrates, right? He may get on the bike and do his best to pedal the small little bike and show him what it looks like. And then, what does he do? He says, son, go do it. Right? So from the son's perspective, what's going on in his thinking? The son says, oh, I want to I listen. I'm on board. Tell me, I want to ride that bike, dad. So he listens. Then he trains, right? He gets on. And his dad, his dad says, go. And he goes. And he gives it a shot. And he crashes and... He works at it, and he works at it, and he works at it, and finally, he's riding the bike. And guys, it is a lot, it's much like the process of discipleship. That's what it is. It's bruises, it's, it could take a long time, it's hard work, but that's really what it is. The other thing I want to mention is... Um, I firmly believe that we have to be very careful with this, and that is when we talk about discipleship, we have to understand that Jesus is ultimately the teacher, and we are simply tools. We are not the teacher. So that's very important to understand, that it's Jesus at work. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Okay, let me just uh, walk through now three foundational points. I'm going to call them cornerstones, even though we only have three. should have four. We're going to call them cornerstones. Three cornerstones to the foundation of discipleship. Number one, the Word of God. Okay? And um, who had the first passage in 2 Timothy 3? If you could go ahead and read that. Yeah. You, however, continue in the thing learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work yeah thank you so we know that the Word is sharper than a two-edged sword, right? That the Word is paramount. The Word has to be at the focus of discipleship. And what did that passage say? When uh, Paul was talking to Timothy there, he says, what is it? The, the very last verse, he says, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Right? Man of God may be equipped. So the Word is at the center of that. It's a primary cornerstone. Okay. Number two, the calling. And you might be saying, thinking, what does that look like? I want to spend a few minutes on this because I believe it's very, very important when we talk about discipleship. Um, who's got Second Timothy uh, chapter one passage? Please. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is, on, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, 
But join with me in suffering for the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Okay, thank you. So notice what he said there in verse 9. He says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according, according to our works, but according to His purpose and grace, which is granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Right? So we've got to talk about this calling. What is a holy calling? What does that look like? Let's talk about that for a moment. You guys know that as you walk through the Bible, you look at guys like Gideon being a farmer, Paul a tent maker, Luke was a doctor, Moses a shepherd, Joseph was a politician, Andrew a fisherman. They were all called, right? From all walks of life. So, let me just walk through with you what I found in Scripture to be four different types of calling. And I want to spend just a little bit of time here, so bear with me. I think it's important. Number one, God's calling to mankind in general. Okay? There's a general calling to all people to come to Him. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about a calling that you might say is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. It doesn't say He saved the world, but He says He loved it, right? So, there's a general calling to all mankind to come to Him. Number two, a specific calling to believers. And I like to think of this as election. It's a calling to the believer to be saved. So you've got grace and election going hand in hand. And I I understand that opens up a can of worms. We could spend hours discussing this idea of election and how that relates to God's sovereignty and free will and everything. But simply, guys, I just want you to understand that if God, by grace, has saved us, it means He called us. Okay? And so, that's very important to understand. God plus nothing. The third type of calling is that of believers to follow Him. And that's what we're talking about. Being a sheep and a disciple. It's a calling to believers to do what He asks us to do. Right? And we call that obedience. We call that find out what Scripture says we're obligated to obey and then figure out how we got to go do it. Okay? Retreats like this are very, very helpful. Right? We get into the Word. And then, as the Bereans do, as an individual responsibility to go do it ourselves. The fourth kind of calling, guys, then is what I call the calling of conviction. And that type of calling is how do you work out the first three? Right? How do you deal with getting married, your vocation, your work? All those different types of things come to a head. How do you deal with the first three types of calling? Okay? Alright. Let me talk about the, um, the third cornerstone. And then we'll, uh, we'll just take a little uh, break and come up for some air. Now, I am not a doctor, okay? So, 
if I, if I say anything that's wrong, if there's a doctor here, please uh, correct me. But I'm using this illustration. I'm not going to walk through this whole thing. I'm just going to point out a few things because I think it's illustrative and it's very interesting. Our physical eye, our lens, okay? Our lens is right there. And what, our, what that lens does is it bends light, focuses light onto the back of the eyeball where the retina is, okay? And then those receptors communicate through our optical nerve into our brain and tell us what we see. Pretty cool, okay? So if, with, if we didn't have that lens, guys, we'd be in trouble, right? We wouldn't be able to see our hand in front of our face. It'd be a, it'd be a mess, right? So let's talk about our spiritual lens. And that's where I'm going with this, is that our spiritual lens is wired in a very similar way. Okay? Input comes in to our spiritual lens, if you will, our worldview comes in, hits our spiritual lens, and we decipher all that information. Right? And it communicates with our brain and tells us how to respond. Well, how is your spiritual lens crafted? Look at all the different areas that this, how this happens. Your family, right? Could be horrific child life. Could be a good childhood. Tradition, education, where you went to college, high school. Your experience, just in general. Media, history, politics, relationships, money, all of that influences our worldview. It influences our lenses. Okay? And I might just say there's nothing wrong with any of these. I'm not, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you guys that there's anything intrinsically wrong with any of this. That's not the case. These are simply things we have to live with as part of growing up and, and living. Okay? So, Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 says a very interesting thing. And he's praying to the believers in Ephesus, and he says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what the hope of his calling is, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Interesting, huh? He's praying for the believers eyes of their heart to be enlightened so guys when we become believers I don't know, if, I don't know about you but my experience was I, 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 I became a believer and then I was just sort of taught all these things that a Christian did and that's how I kind of just lived my life and it took me a long time to figure out what it's really all about So let me suggest to you guys that there are three primary ways that we view the world, view other people, other men. The first is externally. And by that I mean you run with the group. Okay? Maybe it's an institution that you've become associated with, an organization. Um, Maybe it's a university. Whatever it may be, it's external. It's a group. And so you tend to become, you begin to think like the group, act like the group, and live your life according to the group. The second type is internal. Okay? And that simply means 
Marxism, right? It's a, it's a selfishly motivated internal worldview where you say, I am the only thing that matters. I am the one who makes all the decisions and that's it. And so you, you, you bring everything into your, into your lens and filter it that way. The third way, man, is, is eternally. And that's what we're talking about this weekend is eternal perspective, is getting it in focus, getting our family, getting our history, getting our past, getting, getting all that in focus. Okay? So three primary ways. There may be others, but these are the, these are the ones that I found to be critical. Now, let me also just say, before we take a little bit of break here uh, for some air, that is that our tendency, guys, at least mine, and I think it's probably yours too, if, you've, if any of you have set out to do any kind of discipleship, what generally happens is we try to get the other guy to either do two things. Think like you, right? We try to craft his lens based on our lens, or we do it externally. And we tend to, we, we, we institutionalize a guy and we say, you've got to run with the group. And this, this group says, here's the message, here's the truth, and this is what you have to adopt in order to move forward. Does that make, does that make sense? So that's what we tend to do. It's much, much more difficult to do the third. Much more difficult. Lots of issues come up. So we've got to avoid the trap of those first two ways. Okay? All right. Let's just come up for air. Any thoughts, any questions um, before we move on? Okay. Let's keep moving. I like that. You're easy on me. It's good. It's late, so see, this is a good time. Everybody's tired, full. <laughs> oh boy. So let me I'm I'm gonna I've gotta watch my time, guys, so I'm gonna just jump through these relatively quickly. Three myths with regard to discipleship. Number one, that it is for the professional only. And by that I mean that there's a general thinking, and I say general, that the discipleship and multiplication process is for the clergy. It's for the pastor. It's for the full-time Christian worker. Right? That is far from the truth. It is not only their job, but it is all of everybody's job. All of us. Right? The ministry is our job. And if you want to take a look at history and see where a lot of that has come from, there's a great book back there whose job is the ministry begins, just scratches the surface of this whole concept of where we've come in history. Church and the state and, and um, you know, Christianity in the United States and a lot of that concept. There's so much there. I challenge you to really take a look at that. Okay? So that's one myth. The ministry is for all believers. For the sake of time, there's one passage, 2 Corinthians 5. I'm just going to just note this so we can keep moving. It says, uh, Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 to 21, it says that we are, that says, uh, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. So we're all ambassadors. 
And that's a that's a tall word, man. Ambassador. Myth number two: It's always fun and easy. Okay, that's another myth, you guys. That's another myth. You go into a coffee shop, you see a guy sitting there, he's got a Bible and 20 books out there, and they're wrangling and talking, and you think, wow, that's cool, right? And to some extent, it is. We're getting involved with guys' lives. It's great. But men, it is a war. And I can tell you, my experience has, has, has shown that. It is, it, is a, it is a battle, a spiritual battle for men's minds and hearts. So... Understand that, it, that uh, it's not always fun and easy. It's hard work. Myth number three is that I used to call myself, I, I, I like to, I let me back up. Myth number three is what I like to call a rabbit Christian. And that's what I describe myself as when I say I use lifestyle evangelism as an excuse I'd go over here and nibble over here, nibble over here. You know, hey, you know God? Oh, great. Go over here. Never engaging, right? Took me a long time to figure this out. (laughs) Never engaging. Getting involved with guys' lives. Okay. Trevor, when do I need to be done? 25? Okay. Man, let me just say, um, with regard to discipleship, before we move on to the subject of multiplication then, that um, let me just mention, uh, I, I don't have time to go into them, but let me just mention them to your thinking. Maybe jot them down and go back and look at them. They, they really affected my thinking. Three obstacles that will keep you from discipleship. Number one, a temporal mindset. We've talked about that a little bit here this weekend already. If we view people and the world through the temporal, we're done. A temporal mindset is a major obstacle. So what happens is we tend to, we, we, we approach businessmen and we pass the spiritual, we use the spiritual to get to the business deal instead of using the business deal to get to the spiritual, right? So, temporal perspective. Number two, technology. Guys, it is a trap. And it will keep you from discipleship. It keeps me from it. Technology will ruin you if you don't keep it in check. It's like a lion. And, you know, it used to be you could go on a bus or, a, or a, the metro or whatever to try to get different places. Or at DIA, we've got the train that takes you from gate to gate. And you, you, know, you get in there, and uh, you might even be able to strike up a conversation. But anymore, you know, there's no, there's no connection. We're, we're losing it. So I just say that as a warning. And then number three, it ties into technology, busyness. Busyness is another trap. Just getting out there like the rabbit Christian and just, getting, just filling your mind and your day with just a bunch of stuff. Being busy Christians. It's a trap. Okay? Love to talk to you about that offline if you, if you want to think about that a little bit more. Alright. Any thoughts, you guys, before we talk about multiplication? Wow, clear as mud, huh? Doug, I know you got a question, man. 
<laughs> All right. Let's move on to multiplication then. Um, so remember, what's discipleship? Discipleship is the engine, right? Discipleship is the engine that drives this. So we're going to talk about what's the foundation. Uh, talk about math. We can't avoid the math. We've got to talk about the math. But it's really, it's an amazing thing when you look at it. And then we're going to talk about some guidelines. Okay? So first we've got to understand what it means. What is multiplication? Simply it's reproduction. Right? It's multiplying believers. Multiplying disciples. In our case, guys, it's men who understand the mission. Right? That's important. It's, it's, it's touchy ground there because you get involved with the discipleship relationship and the guy maybe say, well, I don't want to disciple another guy. And so you've got to work that out between you and God, how you're going to deal with those kind of situations. Um, how do you deal with that? So we've got to remember that discipleship, multiplication, the goal is to equip a man so that he can equip another. We're going to talk about this passage in just a minute. So let's talk about two cornerstones to the foundation of multiplication. Okay? And um, the first one is that, guys, it's simple. God tells us to do it. Couldn't get much more simple than that. We can't get, we can't get away from it. It is individual responsibility, and He tells us to do it. We are charged with the priesthood. We're all priests. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, please. And, uh, yes, please. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The, thing, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may, be, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Thank you. So guys, let's note, note with me three things there in, in verse 2. What does he say? He says, number one, entrust, right? I'm entrusting this to you. That, that word is used elsewhere in the Bible. Paul used it, I think, primarily in First and Second Timothy. But um, it's, 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 as if it's this picture of saying, okay, I'm, in, I'm handing this off to you now. And I'm entrusting this to you. What is the second thing he says? To faithful men. Now you have to, you have, you're, you're on your own to some degree on that. Trying to figure out what that looks like. Who's a faithful man? I'm not sure. There, there are some litmus that you can use, but that's what he says to do to faithful men. Who will then what? Be able to teach others. So there's a there's a there's a train, right? It, there's a there's a path that we're looking at there. Guys that that you think can carry baton, if you will, right? So. You, like to, you, know, you think of it as not wasting ammunition on secondary targets, right? So, there's a dynamic going on there that's difficult to put your finger on, but uh, you have to work that out as you, as you get with these guys and uh, see where they're at. Then, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, right? At the end, what does he say? He says, Go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples. 
baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And then what's the last thing he says? Does anybody, was it somebody, anybody know? Shoot it out there. What is, what's the last thing he says? I'll be with you always. Guys, we're not doing this alone. Discipleship is not our gig. It's God's gig. He says He's right there with you. He's leading the way, leading the charge. Powerful stuff. So, the first cornerstone, He tells us to do it. Okay? Alright. Let's move on to the second cornerstone. And that is that multiplication is part of the world that we live in. It's been that way ever since the beginning of time, beginning of creation, right? When God said, be fruitful and multiply. It's part of the world we live in. Animals reproduce. We reproduce. Multiplication is everywhere. Down to the most minute thing, right? So, what I want to do is walk through this example with you guys. I'm, I'm a plant guy, you know, and all this with, in the landscape business and everything. And I started thinking about grass. <laughs> and you know what? It turned out to be really, really interesting. This is Kentucky bluegrass. If any of you are familiar with it, it's a, uh, it's a bulletproof kind of grass. Okay? And here's why. It's really interesting. The grass, is, the grass seeds, and it starts to begin to grow down into the soil. And then what happens is these rhizomes shoot off horizontally below the ground. Okay? And those, in turn, spawn shoots that come up to be more grass. Okay? So it's the rhizome principle, man. One, one seed roots itself, gets down deep, spreads horizontally, and then begins to create more shoots. Okay? It's an amazing analogy to the process of multiplication. Because, guys, it's so like... So similar to the process, it's kind of scary. And here's why I think that's the case. Number one, it's behind the scenes. It's under the ground. It's dirty. You're getting involved with men's lives, right? It's dirty. There's no glory in it. The sun's not shining down there, right? But what happens is that it slowly spreads begins to intertwine with other men and and get stronger, right? And Kentucky bluegrass is interesting. Because of the rhizome principle, if if you cut the grass and make it into sod, pick it up, slap it down, it'll start growing because of the rhizomes. You can take it and put it in sand, you can put it in clay, and that stuff will grow. It's really cool. (laughs) So you 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 see the analogy? It's really, really amazing. So then, over a long period of time, what happens? Check it. Millions. Millions of disciples. Millions of men. Millions of little strands of grass that started out as one little seed. Right? So as you can see, what happens? It's exciting. All right, let's talk, um, let's talk briefly about the math. Luke 15, verse 7. 
really interesting passage. Some of you may know it. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Fascinating verse, huh? God's concerned with about one. Just one. And we know from Scripture that Jesus was also concerned about groups of people, right? He was, he was actively involved in teaching multitudes. But he also spent an enormous amount of time with the disciples. And, and one-on-one opportunities. So guys, before we talk about the Mass specifically, I want to just say this with a warning. And the warning is, and I realize this was a warning to myself, is that we simply can't create, control, or measure the ministry. Okay, that's a, that's a critical thing to wrap arms around. We can't control it, can't measure it, and can't... What's the third one? Create it. Right? The ironic thing about it is, though, we live in an environment where everybody wants to do that. And it's just not where we need to go. For a variety of reasons we're not going to go into. So, so what I, when I would talk about math, I just want to say it's about potential. Just to give you kind of a broad um, scope of what it looks like. So we must not let numbers negatively influence the ministry. Numbers are not the driving factor because we simply can't count it. So guys, practically speaking, I believe it's far better to stay with one guy for a longer period of time than it would be to ditch him and go on and try to find somebody else to to disciple or minister to for the sake of the numbers. It's not where we're called to be. And and the interesting thing about about that is the guy will pick up on it. He'll be like, well, what are you doing? So if you walk through the book of Acts, it's really interesting to see what happens. There are the disciples. Jesus is gone. Judas is dead. And there is Matthew with the eleven. And um, he, he gives a charge to the disciples. And it says in the book of Acts there was 120 men in that, in that meeting. There obviously was more believers, but in that particular meeting there was 120, I'm not sure there was just men, men and women, I'm not sure about that. At any rate, there was 120. So between now and, and between then and now, approximately we've come about 1,978 years. And so the numbers look around, they say, 2.2 billion Christians around the world globally which is interesting. You don't know what that really looks like. but So that was around, I think, a, a hundred and some thousand Christians a year. Um, I think my math might be off there. See? I don't like math. But guys, interesting also, in, uh, since the 1900s, it appears, based on my research, that there's been a decline in total global Christian population. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're losing focus on what this all means. We're institutionalizing guys. We're trying to get them to see the world the way we do. And what happens? It falls apart. If we're not focused on the eternal perspective, we're going to lose it. So, check this out. This is really interesting. We've got maybe 75 strong here, right? Maybe a little less. This is the math, how it breaks down per year. 
You start out with 75 men. Let's just say in the course of the next year, each of you guys go out and find one man to disciple. And you get with them for that year, and then those two guys, you and your other guy, go out and do it again. And it just keeps on multiplying. Down, down, down. Look at this. In just 12 years, you've exceeded the population of Scottsdale. In 15 years, you've exceeded the population of Phoenix. In 20, you're at almost 80 million disciples. Isn't that crazy? I just see that and I think, that is just crazy. So, there's potential in multiplication. And that's, that's my point, is that there is, there's potential. Okay, let's just take a break. Comments or questions, you guys? Anything you'd like to bring up? All right, let's keep moving. Okay, now I just want to share uh, briefly three guidelines that I think are really important when it comes to multiplication. There's probably many, I know there's many, many more, man, but these are three that are critical. Number one, first guideline is growth is God's responsibility. We alluded to that. Growth is His responsibility alone. All we're, do, all we're doing is called to get involved with men's lives, right? He says that building the church is His deal. It's not ours. We are simply tools. And man, I have to tell you, I met with a, uh, a guy for... Um, almost one year, we walked through this book called Operation Timothy. And I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. We walked through that. And you know what he did at the end of that year? It was almost as though he woke up in the middle of the night and he said, I'm going to chuck the whole thing. I'm going to divorce my wife. I'm going I'm to get married to this woman that I met in Europe. I'm going to chuck my new baby little girl. My boy was about three or four years old. And um, I'm, I'm chucking it. And so I began to walk through him what the, what the consequences would be. What, what, are you willing, you know, what are you willing to give up? And he just basically rolled his eyes at me. And so I use that, guys, as an illustration because we simply do not have any control over the outcome. And if we think we do, it will lead to pride and um, it, it can get ugly. Okay? So growth is God's responsibility. Um, Somebody had 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, please. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. The Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. You have confidence in the Lord. That you are doing and will continue to do to th- and to continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. All right, thank you. Notice in verse four, he says, "We have confidence in the Lord concerning you." So I just want to emphasize that it's it's God who's doing the work in men's hearts and minds. Okay. 
And I might just say also, on that note, I used to think that if you share this concept with a guy, that he'll sign up. Kind of like sharing the gospel, you know. If you walk through steps of peace, who wouldn't sign up for that? But guys, don't know. You walk through this whole concept of discipleship, and some guys are, I don't want any part of that. Again, it's about the lens, right? Not our lens, not the world's lens, God's lens. Okay, guideline number two. Talked about this briefly. Develops relationships. You've got to be prepared to get involved with men's lives. It, it breeds relationship. Okay? So we have to expect that. And something interesting about that is that I've noticed that when you are in a group setting, it's much e- obviously much easier to hide, much easier to be a facade. But when you get into a one-on-one situation, man, I'm getting challenged. And so, you know, I mean, you, there, you, are, you are both grappling with life issues. Whoever's the teacher, whoever's the pupil, it's all come, it all comes to a head. And so it develops relationships. You get to know each other. It may not mean you walk through any material Initially, it may mean you take a break. It may it mean guys may call you at the middle of the night asking for help. It says in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter two, Paul says, "But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we are well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also what our own lives." Because you have become very dear to us. Okay. And guys, the last guideline I just want to mention is that uh, it requires sacrifice. We have to count the cost. It may cost you time. It may cost you money. It may cost you some business. It may cost you some things. So you have to be prepared for some sacrifice. And um, if you take some time to walk through Matthew chapter 10, give you some perspective on Jesus' charge to the disciples with respect to cost. The other thing that, I, that came to the forefront of my thinking was family. If you guys are married, have children, um, whatever that looks like, um, that re- to, to disciple your kids re- requires sacrifice, right? There's lots of different things in, that we can be doing as men. We want to do, but our family requires lots of time, as Winston pointed out at the beginning, right? The unbalanced life. Okay. We're getting close, guys, to the end. I've got just a few minutes left. Any, any thoughts or questions on any of that? All right. Let me keep moving. So, you've, you, so you have all this. Now what in the world do you do with it? And I just want to suggest that there are lots of tools out there, guys. And uh, Kevin mentioned this in the, in the role play up here. 
um, about this book called First Steps. And um, if you don't know where to start, this is a great place to start. There's other uh, groups that have books similar to this, but this is a really good place to start with a guy no matter what. Begins the process. It gets him, it gets him talking about God's Word and uh, who Jesus is and uh, the validity of the Bible and, and what does it mean to have eternal life. Real basic questions that could take you months, years, but it's a great place to start because it just gets you talking with a guy. And then the Operation Timothy, some of you may be familiar with that. This is another great tool um, to walk through with a guy. gets into more in-depth issues that uh, we all deal with and um, heavy on Scripture. So, like many of the resources back there, there's just lots of stuff that are available to you for, for tools. Okay? So we have to remember like an organization, like booklets, like any of that kind of stuff, it's simply a tool. <clears throat> so you might be sitting there thinking, all right, that's all great, but I'm not wired for this, right? Guys, I didn't think I was wired, right? We're all wired because we have the responsibility of the ministry, remember? And what does Jesus say? He'll be with you. We're all wired for it. It's a skill. It's like riding a bike. I used to think, oh, but I don't know this, I don't know that, I don't... But it, guys, it, you just got to get in there. And uh, I know some of the guys have said at other, uh, other, other retreats and other places where I've been, that if you just stay one or two days ahead of a guy, you're going to do okay. <laughs> right? That's all you have to do. And I've done that. It's like, oh man, I'm meeting with this guy tomorrow morning, and I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's okay. It's all right. It's learning how to ride a bike. And guys, if you've never been in this kind of thing, find somebody to disciple you. You know, you came up here with a guy, you've never had that, call him up. Say, hey man, will you meet with me? Let's walk through this book together. You know, it's simple. It really is. So, in closing, what I'd like to do is just suggest a few things. We could spend hours at this too. just want to suggest a few things for you to be thinking about in respect, with respect to how do I get started between you and Jesus and between you and others. Number one, between you and Jesus, pray. We've got to be on our knees. Praying for other men, praying for our families, praying for our parents, whatever that looks like, we've got to be praying. Okay? The other one, follow Jesus. Right? Remember the definition of a disciple? Listens, learns, and follows. We can't get involved with other guys' lives if we're not following Jesus. Very difficult to have a to have a good ministry. The other principle to consider is getting out of the way. You guys have to you can figure out what that looks like for yourselves, but we gotta get out of the way and let God do his thing in men's lives. I have a, a, a good friend who calls that the Jesus syndrome thinks that if he doesn't do it, nobody will. That he has to be Jesus. We've got to get out of the way. Two more with respect to our, us and Jesus. We've got to be available. Right? We've got to be available. And then another one, we've got to know our personal convictions. Right? 
We've got to get with Jesus and we've got to review what I'm, what I'm obeying, what I'm obligated to obey, what are the commands, what does that look like, and then what are my convictions? You get together with a guy and he says, what do you think about drinking? Well, I know the Bible says getting drunk is wrong, but what are your convictions about that? How do you, how you deal with it? And then between you and others, just a few things. Between you and others, let others into your life. We've got to be men that are willing to be humble to let others to see our life of Christ. Have, have guys over to our home. My wife gets nervous about that. We've not done a lot of that. But that's a great way to start. Have, have guys into your, into your home. Focus on the heart and not the pride. And what I mean by that, men, is we have a tendency as men to try to get the other guy to clean up his act before we introduce him to Jesus. Right? Stop doing all these different things and then we can talk about our relationship with God. That, we got it backwards. Right? That's legalism. So we focus on the guy's heart, not the pride, not morality. We get Jesus in his life. Then we talk about those things. And then, two more. We use Christian liberty as an opportunity, not an excuse. We must understand our liberties as believers, which are, which are great. It's not an opportunity to sin. But it's an opportunity to get involved with a guy's life. We've got to be careful with Christian liberty. And then the last one, guys, I just want to mention, and it may come home for a lot of you, is that family doesn't make or break the deal. That family is just as important in discipleship as anybody else. Whether they're non-believers or believers, young children, mom and dad, we're called to do the same thing, to minister to them, get involved in their lives. The ministry looks the same for our family. Very important. All right, guys, that was a mouthful. I'm tired of talking. Um, thank you so much for your, uh, your willingness to let me share these things. And um, remember, discipleship is the engine. Multiplication is God's job. We're simply tools of God to do the ministry. And uh, let me just close with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we do... Uh, Bow before you tonight, uh, tired and full, and we just ask that you would uh, lift us up as we um, continue this evening, that you'd strengthen us, uh, make us able to focus on you, and just pray that each one of us would uh, be challenged in our walk, in the specific area that you want us to, to be thinking about and, uh, and looking at. Lord, we, uh, we just submit to you, and we thank you for this time to be here And uh, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.